So thank you so much for being here this morning. We're going to continue in our study of 1 Corinthians. Now you remember many, many, many moons ago, Keith decided to give us a short introduction theologically to what he believed God wanted to emphasize this year. And so that's where we've been for the last many, many moons. Aren't you glad this pastor is brief? Amen? Three people said amen, and three of them are deaf. <laughs> I know that some of these people wear hearing aids, and they turn them off. This morning, we're continuing in 1 Corinthians, so if you'll be turning there to chapter 12, verses 12 to 20 specifically. And thanks, Bill Treby, for already preaching the sermon. Thanks a lot. And let's remember what is going on, just very quickly. This epistle, the 13 epistles in the New Testament, remember the four Gospels, the history and Revelation. Lest we forget, the epistle was not written by the Apostle Paul. It was written by the Holy Spirit who used the Apostle Paul to speak forth the words of God to a secretary or to uh, amanuensis. What is that? Uh, uh, help me. What? A scribe. And so what we see here in this epistle, as in every epistle, and I think this is significant to remind us of this. What we see here is the very personal, directed word of God himself through the Holy Spirit using this man to speak to each person who is a member of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that means that no person who is saved or who has been born again or who is in Christ is to be omitted or to feel in any way whatsoever, that doesn't apply to me. Every word of instruction, every word of explanation, every word of revelation given in these epistles as the rest of the Bible, but specifically because we're in 1 Corinthians, every word is for me and for you directly for today. Do we believe that? Do we really believe it? Yes. That's important because what the Holy Spirit is saying in this section, the section I think goes to verse 27, if I can remember, is extremely significant in a particular way. The church was established through the preaching of the gospel. People heard the good news that God has sent his son to pay the price of our sin. So that as we hear that message in our hearts, the Holy Spirit stirs each one of us to say, I want to be forgiven. I want to receive Christ. And so that receiving, that action of faith in embracing the gospel is God's means of bringing us into the body of Christ, the church. So that's been done. And as a result, this church has been planted 
The problem is the church in Corinth, and to some extent, every church to some extent, but the church in Corinth to a pretty decent extent, was not fulfilling the primary purpose of God in saving them. You see, if I were to ask, why has God saved you? The Western understanding is to concentrate on my individuality. Do you you know what I'm talking about? Me, my, I. But that's not God's purpose. Individuality. God's purpose is corporate. Do you know what I mean by that? Is all of us together in unity. That's God's purpose. So what does he do? He saves each one of us individually to be corporately included. Each one of us individually, certainly. I was saved personally. Keith, you were saved. Gina, you were saved, right? Each one of us individually. But I was called in. You were called in, if you were in Christ, to the corporate expression of God on earth. And that corporate expression of God on earth is to be manifested or is to be declared, made visible through the way we relate to one another, through the way we minister to one another, through the gifts of the Spirit, which we saw were introduced in chapter 12, through the use of these gifts, etc. And as we are doing it, following the manifested presence and work of the Holy Spirit, Christ is being manifested in us to the world. And as the Lord Jesus is being manifested in this corporate expression, we're not just seeing the manifestation of a man. But you remember in John 14, 9, Jesus tells Philip, Philip, if you have seen me, what's the rest of it? You've seen the Father. And so the expression or the manifestation by the Holy Spirit in the church through the ministry and life of the church is by extension the manifestation of our great heavenly father. And all of that, as I've already said a couple of times, is the manifestation of also the Holy Spirit. So what we see here is that the church is God's earthly community that is to be the visible display of his heavenly community. And that only comes about, that's by the way a fact, that only comes about, however, the expression of it by the way we relate to one another and by the way we minister and function within this particular church. And so this is of extreme significance to God because our function in the church, how we relate to one another, 
is the way that God has ordained that his triunity, these three persons of the Godhead who relate in love to one another, that that is expressed in the way we relate to one another. And we were saved unto that purpose because that is where the glory of God is manifested in the very person and character and nature of our triune God. Do we see this? And the cost to God of doing this was the cross of his son. So there's nothing more significant to God having now saved us and included us in this particular body of believers. And if you're visiting in the church where he has you planted, then we function in such a way as to reveal the reality of God's intrinsic nature. Father, loving the Son. Son, loving the Father. Holy Spirit, loving the Father and the Son. The Son and the Father, loving the Holy Spirit. The three persons dwelling in an eternal society as one in unity, in love. That's the glory of God. That's what God is after. That's why Jesus came. That's why he lived. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. That's why the Holy, he ascended into heaven. That's why he was crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit so that this God of ours may be clearly, definitively, compellingly, consistently declared in us. Why am I saying all this? Because you see, if we don't see the rock bottom foundation and reason, our motivation will be lacking. And so it's not enough just to say we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to love one another, we need to be involved. That's not enough. We need to give the underpinning of God in all of that. And so what we're talking about this morning is about the revelation of our God. We have just sung what? What was the name of it? Great is our God? Is that, is that the title? Are you, are you with me now? And we hoot and holler. And I think we should hoot and holler. And in fact, I'd like us to hoot and holler even more than we do. But the hooting and hollering before God is the way we live together as his church. That's what God wants to hear in the hooting and the hollering. That's the hooting and the hollering that goes up to God as a great praise to his name. Because then the world may know, as Jesus says, then you, Father, then they will know that you have loved me. So that's what this passage is about this morning. But you see, the problem in the church is that some have been abusing the gifts that God has given in order to accentuate in order to develop the body of Christ as the manifestation of our God.
That's why we're given gifts. And so in this way, the glory of the Son of God, the glory of the Father, and the glory of the Holy Spirit is manifested among us. Now that's the reason. If we don't go any further this morning, that's the reason we are called together into a corporate expression of Christ. So that the corporate expression of the Trinity may be expressed in the way we gather together and function together in unity as the one body of Christ. You see, for this reason, each of us. Now, how many of you understand the word each? How many of you think that if you're, we're talking to the ones who are saved, who know Christ personally. Is there anyone in here that you don't understand the word each to refer to you? I was an English teacher. I need to know these things. Does each apply to everyone here? Yes or no? Yes, they do. It does, rather. Each is a word that applies to how many of us? All. So who's left out of this word each? Ah, So that means, remember what we said, the Holy Spirit is writing to each one of us. This means that each of us has been given gifts by the Holy Spirit so that collectively, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, we will manifest the unity of the persons of God. And so as the church functions in unity, because we have been made one, but as we function in unity, then the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is expressed. So every one of us has been given a gift. But you see, in Corinth, these gifts have been abused. And the problem with the abuse of the gift is that the unity of God was being distorted through the misuse of the gifts, which created a manifestation of the unity, sorry, a distortion of the unity that is to be in the church. They were using the gifts for various reasons, none of which were given to them for that purpose. And so you see, each one of us is to be using the gift of God in such a way that we are ministering to one another so that no one is left out. No one is left out of receiving the gift, having received a gift, and no one is left out from being responsible to do what? Function or what? Use the gift. So it's a gift that has been given. These gifts are given to us individually by the Holy Spirit. Bill quoted that this morning. And then I am given a gift for what purpose? To set it aside and to look at it and to crow about it or to boost my own presentation? No. To manifest the humility and the service and the deference and the condescension of the Son of God to us. That's what we're to use the gifts for. Because in such use, 
the heart of God, the heart of his love is being manifested among us. But the gifts, as I said, were being distorted in the church. Some were using the gift for their own advantage rather than for the advantage of Christ. Some were using the gifts in such a way that they wanted to make sure that you saw that they knew something and were somebody. The gifts were abused, and some were abusing the gifts to promote self interest rather than the interests of the Holy Spirit. Promoting themselves, presenting themselves in such a way that the Holy Spirit hasn't led them to do so. Hoping people will think better of you because you have a particular gifting. Some were abusing the gift in a way that caused others to consider themselves to be inferior. I mean, some of us have the gifting of teaching or preaching. And some of us who do preaching and teaching don't have a gift, but we hope we do. I'm not sure. And so, I will say without any boasting, because you see, I shouldn't be here this morning given my life. Do you understand that? I am here only because God has ordained that I be here. There is no other reason in all the world that I should be standing here this morning. I should be on the back seat of this church. I should. But Phil, God has said, I want you up here. And so, you look at Pastor Keith, you look at Pastor Evan, Pastor Ronald, old man Davidson, you look at us, and you hear us speak. And you say, wow, I can't speak like that. I, I just, and you begin to feel, look, what, a little what? Inferior. You begin to feel that maybe your gift isn't as significant as our gift. You know how important we are. I mean, think, without our gift, what would the church be? Really? How significant and superior my gift is than yours. And so there begins to be this dichotomy, this distortion in the body of Christ. And the unity begins to become functionally fractured. So there may be feelings of inferiority. Some were using their gifts to create confusion in the worship service. You know, we've been asked from time to time if someone has a word of prophecy or an exhortation that he feels or she feels a church should be receiving it. Don't you think that during the service, sometimes you should get up, thus saith the Lord, and then, no. Because it creates confusion. So we have felt led by the Holy Spirit that, and you saw this with Phil Wyden this morning, we felt led by the Holy Spirit that if you had that kind of a word, a burden like that, fine, come down, share with either Keith or me, we'll make a decision as best we can being led by the Holy Spirit and say, yes, you share or don't share at all or maybe wait a week or two until the timing is better because God has a timing in things. But just to start standing up and screaming and yelling brings what? Confusion and disorients the church from its prime goal of worshiping God. That's what's happening in this other church. 
So how does Paul deal with this? If you have a Bible with you, turn to Colossians chapter 2. I don't know if this is in your verse, but that doesn't matter. It's in the Bible. Colossians 2 verse 2. If you have a Bible, turn to Colossians 2 verse 2. I don't think it's in your notes. It may not be. I can't remember. And I want you to make sure we see this verse for its significance in what we're saying this morning. It says essentially that God has what? Is causing our hearts, our hearts to be what? Knitted. You can speak, it's okay. It's a Pentecostal church, say something. Knitted what? Together, how? In love. Whose love? Certainly not my love, brother. Because I don't love you like that. We're being knitted together as God's divine tapestry. God's divine tapestry. Now, you know what a tapestry is. It's one of those big old things that have a lot of threads all over, and it has a picture on it, right? All the threads together. Seth, you know what I'm talking about? Consider this. The Holy Spirit... is producing the tapestry of the Lord Jesus. And each one of us is an individual thread. Each one of us has a different size. Each one of us has a different length. Each one of us has a different hue or combinations of hue and the length of it. Each one of us, the threads come maybe from a different location. And as the Holy Spirit begins to take the threads of believers' lives from all over the world and begins to bring them into this grand and great tapestry of God, what does he do? He intertwines and intermingles them, joins them together. Are you listening? Now, in order for this tapestry to perfectly declare and manifest the face of the tapestry maker, son, in order for the son's face to be declared perfectly, can it happen if even one thread is out of place? Hello? Can it happen? No. It can't happen. And so, God joins us together this way. And the peculiarity of this tapestry is that it is a living tapestry. And so, the Holy Spirit is bringing us together and intermingling us and intertwining us together. Which thread is more important than any other thread. Which one? None. Which thread is not needed? None. And so the peculiarity is that each thread has a gifting that it is able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in the direction and into the context of other threads 
ministering in such a way that the tapestry is being constructed. And what is the final result? The revelation of the glory of the person of our God. This is the reason for us being here and for us hopefully wanting against any opposition and in the face of all difficulty to be used this way. So let's look at how Paul deals with the dysfunction of the church by turning to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. That's just the introduction. None of that counts for the sermon. Reset the clock. No, I've been on So let's look at verses by verse. Verse 12. What Paul's going to do, he's just going to make the theological statement. He's making a statement of truth. This is the truth. This is what God has done. He's going to use the analogy of a unified body. That the church is the unified body of Christ. And he's going to use that analogy. I just use an analogy of what? Knitting tapestries. Verse 12, for just as the body is one. Now, how many of you have a body? Most of us have bodies. Okay, none of us are out of body today. Now, how many of you have more than one body? So all of us have a body. Okay. Well, you don't know. Today's world, we don't know anymore. I mean, you, know, I, you know, the way the politics and everything, we, you know, who knows? Just as the body is one and has many members. Now, how many of you have more than one member a part of your body? Most of you do. Okay, great. Okay. And all the members of the body, though they are many, are one, so it is, with Christ. Again, the Holy Spirit has been sent by Jesus, John 15, 26, to manifest Christ. When I will send him into the world to testify of me, to be the manifestation of Christ. And so how is Christ being manifested? In this one body. As all the various parts function in unity. As Jesus Christ is in unity with God the Father by the Holy Spirit. So just as our bodies have many members that function in unity, so it is to be with the church. Because the church, why? 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 Because we're the body of Christ. We're not to function in unity in order to be the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, we are to function in unity. Do we see that? We're not talking about trying to get into unity. We have been unified in Christ by the Holy Spirit. Now we're talking about the Spirit's work of unifying functionally us together and knitting us together in love. So what does that mean? No member is more important to the unity than any other member. Who's the most important member in this church? You know, if, if, if I weren't thinking about this, you may say, well, Keith Collins is. He's a senior pastor. He's the lead pastor. He's certainly the most important person. And if you want to be, you know, a little more sensitive, then the old man's the most important person. There's no one more important than anyone else to God. Can you get over any feelings of inferiority? It's not true. 
There are difference in use and placement and function, but not of significance. We function differently, but to God we are equally significant. Do you see that? If you have just been born again 10 minutes ago, you are as significant as I am who was born again in 1964. You are as significant to God. Differently useful and functioning in the church according to gifts. No member exists in isolation. You weren't born again and brought into the church to sit on the pew and be alone and come here and listen, pray, sing, listen, and walk out and not be involved with others. You are not functioning the way God has intended you to function. And quite frankly, you are helping to distort the reality of Christ. No member is independent of or is in relational disassociation from any other member. I just, I'm a, I'm a you know, very private person. I'm not interested in being involved in you. I'm just not interested in that. I'm completely content in myself. I don't know any nicer person on earth, more intelligent, better looking. And so when we feel that way and we laugh, but that's how many feel. They wouldn't say it like that, heavens. We're distorting Christ. It's not just a matter of, well, you know, I just don't want to do this. We're distorting the picture of Jesus Christ. Every member is relationally connected to every other member and is to minister in unity with every other member. Why? Why? Because in order to, and when we do this, the reality of the unity of the persons of God is being clearly and compellingly manifested to the world. How can God take such a motley group of people? Look around at this church. I mean, we have some pretty people and ugly people in here. No, some of you are ugly. Some of us are ugly. Some of us are pretty. I should have said some of you are pretty. Some are young. Some are old. Various races here. All kinds of mixtures. Genders. Different financial backgrounds. Educational levels. Look at the differences. Some have bodies that are pretty good shape and some have bodies that are broken down. Look at the differences in it. Look at this group. You ought to be standing where I am. This is a motley group. Do you know what motley means? Somebody tell me what motley means. Say it again. Varied. All kind of differences, right? It's motley. Not motley crew that somebody said something about, which was some kind of a song. Look, it's... That's funny. Oh, it's a group. Well, I knew motley had to do with songs. Whatever. Listen, I stopped listening to all that stuff after Tennessee Ernie Ford stopped singing. I did. I really did. I'm the most ignorant man in the world. When we had staff meetings and Keith and some of the guys would be talking about the songs, I'm just sitting there, right? You know, huh? When some of y'all mention these things on the, uh, the uh, what do you call pulpit, I have to ask you, what is that? Who's that? I don't know. It's okay if I don't know. 
It doesn't mean I should know or shouldn't know. I just don't. What was I talking about? Oh, we're Motley Crue, yeah. But, but if you took the strands of a tapestry and laid them singularly on a table, you would look at this and say, there's no way that this bunch of strings can amount to anything. But allow the master knitter, if you would, to take those strings and begin to join them together, then begins to be a revelation of the most wonderful picture of all, the picture of this master's son. Just this group, bunch of strings. Okay. See, you weren't saved just to be a string among many strings. We were saved to be knitted together in love, Colossians 2.2. So Paul says we are the body of Christ. That's the statement of reality. Then in verse 13, he explains how we became the body of Christ. How did this happen? How did this happen? I don't know. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Do you notice Paul is distinguishing groups and classes of people? Jews and Greeks, God's people and all the rest. When he says Greeks, he does not talk about the ethnic Greek. He's talking about the, all the rest of the world, the saved and the unsaved, the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, all of these people together are now joined together. God making them into one by the Spirit. All of these people, wherever you come from, God makes us one by the Spirit. Doesn't matter your background. How does he do it? Well, you, we know how he does it. You may be here this morning. You may not be part of the tapestry of God. Because you see, what's going to happen is that all the strings of the tapestry, all the strings of the world, in the world, that are not being used by God in the tapestry will be thrown away into the fire. Useless. And you may be sitting here thinking, I don't know whether I'm a string in that tapestry. You may be sitting here knowing I'm not. I don't believe this. I don't want it. Whatever. There is coming a day when the Lord Jesus returns. And using this analogy, all the strings of this tapestry will be gathered on his right. And all the other strings in the world will be gathered on his left. And the ones on his right will enter into eternal presence of God. And the ones on the left will be condemned forever. How did I become a tapestry member? How did Peter Davidson become a tapestry member? Well, I can tell you how it was. James, I was good. I obeyed God. I did everything right. I was a member, thank God, of the right church. I did all the good things. No, nothing. 
Here's why I was saved. God is love. You see, I was saved, you were saved because God is love. Because the basis of my salvation was not indigenous to me or to anything about or in me or functioning. The reason God saved me was his eternal decree that I, as one of these tapestry parts, would be placed into the tapestry. And Jesus came and bore all the guilt and the corruption of all of these tapestry pieces so that they all could be cleaned and made useful for the tapestry. And he did that at the cross in paying all of the guilt and the corruption. And then on the day of Pentecost, after the resurrection and ascension and coronation of our great king, he, he sent the Holy Spirit to gather from all the world, all the strings throughout the ages together so that there may be one tapestry, one body of Christ, the church of the living God. He did this. And you're sitting here this morning and you realize, I am not that. I'm not part of the tapestry. Well, the question is, thank God now you see it, do you want to become a part of the tapestry? Because if there is a desire to be included into the family of God, if there is that desire in your heart, that is not your desire indigenously. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in you, bringing you in. That's the work of the Spirit, birthing you into this church, bringing you into the tapestry, making you part of the body of Christ. And what do you do? You say yes. Yes. So if your heart's desire is this morning, I, I'm now realizing, and if you are, that's the Holy Spirit showing you. And he's saying this, son and daughter, you're home. Just say Yes. By faith, for by grace we have been saved through faith. Faith is the saying, yes, the receiving. You understand? You may be that person today. If so, please be bold enough at the end of the service to come share with us. Each member here has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or any of you who are saved, do you understand that you do have the gift of the Holy Spirit? I don't know whether it's in your notes, but Romans 5, 5. Is that that in your notes somewhere? What does it say? Now remember Colossians 2, 2. We have been knitted, our hearts have been knitted together in what? In what? Love. God's love. Now look at this verse, Romans 5, 5. For the what? Is it quoted there? Okay. Well, you should know it anyway. No, know these things. You go home and your children say, I don't know what two and two is. Oh, that's all right, sweetheart. I don't want you to burden yourself. No, you're going to learn. Because <laughs> I don't want you to fail in life. Learn it. Romans 5, 5. For the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Who are the members of the body of Christ? To make us the members of the body of Christ, right? We have the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit, now we, two things about gifts. I and each of you, we are God's gift 
to one another. You know that weirdo in this church, that person you can't stand that when he comes up to you every Sunday morning says, I didn't see you in school of the word and you get annoyed. And you're going to have to get annoyed because I ain't stopping it either. You stop telling your children to do their homework because they get annoyed with you. How many of you do that? I don't apologize for emphasizing what God emphasizes. Can't remember where I was again. (laughs) Help me, Tony. You don't know where I was either. Are you awake? (laughs) Mo, wake him up, brother. (laughs) The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The Spirit gives each one of us as God's gift to his Son whom he purchased at the cross into the body so that we are gifts to one another. There's not a single person in this congregation that is not a gift to every other person in this congregation. No one is left out. No one is diminished. No one is elevated. No one is distinguished above others. No one is inferior. Each one of us is a living gift of the revelation of, Holy, of God in Christ by the Spirit. Amen? If we make distinctions in these, we are making distinctions about Christ, whom God himself does not do. And then God gives gifts which we saw a couple of weeks ago, or whenever it was that we were last in Corinthians. He gives gifts. He lists in that particular passage, verses 8, um, eight, to, 8 to 11, I think, he lists nine, lists nine gifts, but those are not exhaustive. They're gifts all over the New Testament that we see in various locations. Those are just the gifts that are being dealt with because of their particular misuse. But there are other gifts that are misused. Has God given you a gift of understanding the gospel? Has God given you the gift of understanding the gospel? Anybody? Then what do you do with that gift? Has God given you the gift to be able to communicate with others concerning the gospel? Has God given you the gift to differentiate or distinguish between that which is true and that which is not true according to the gospel? Has God given you the gift of patience and kindness and gentleness? (laughs) Then one of the locations where this string should be pulled through is being an alpha table leader. Oh, sorry, Frank. There should be a line out the door for people wanting to be table leaders at Alpha. Would you say amen? Frank, do you agree? Yes. Annette hit him, say yes, say yes, whatever you do. If you don't say yes, a man's coming over here and I don't want that man in my face. (laughs) 
You don't think I'll come over there, do you, Frank? <laughs> you know I will. <laughs> God gives us gifts. How many of you, be careful, but I really want the truth answer, but be careful. How many of you love children? What's wrong with the rest of you? Who are the rest of you people in here? How many of you love your children and grandchildren? Come on. Oh, there it is. God gives us gifts. We have all, how many kids do we have? About 150 children regularly? And Sunday morning up there somewhere. You may feel the building moving occasionally. Now, we, we, Linda, thank you for being here this morning. Where are you? Say, thank you for being here. We miss Ray so much. If you ever get to do it, go online and watch Ray Pratt's In the Children's Church. A man who was so taken with the love that God had for him and the gift of eternal life in him. It overflowed and he was there regularly. I mean, dancing around and all of that and so on. You know, and doing whatever. You need to look. What is it? YouTube? or Where do these things happen? Is it YouTube? And find out what Ray Pratt's look like. Well, you see, I'm not called to dance. You can, could you just tell? But God has given me a gift. I love kids. Look at all the gifts here. Are we neglecting being God's tapestry in that area? Just, I'm not going to go through, there's so many gifts in this church and so much that is needed. And the reason it's needed because God has created us to need one another. The problem is there is a deficit of the activity of the gifts in this church. Keith, would you agree with that? There is a deficit of the activity, not of the presence of the gifts, but of the activity of the gifts. And as a result, to God the Father, the face of his own son is not clearly and sufficiently being demonstrated in this church. And none of us should be pleased with that. You see, God is using the ministry of the gifts as he uses us and the gifts to be the activity of his knitting us together in love for the revelation of Christ. That's what's going on here. Verse 15 to 17. I'm sorry, verse 14, I'm sorry. For the body does not consist of one member but many. He's just reiterating. So I don't need to say anything more. Then in 15 to 17, Paul now emphasizes the absurdity of the disunity in the body, the absurdity of us not functioning. Look, look at it, listen to that. If the foot would say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body. <laughs> Can you imagine your foot saying that to you? That would not make it any less part of the body, does it? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. 
See these rhetorical questions? What is a rhetorical question? Self-evident answer. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? You see, he's being, he's, he's using absurd analogies to show us absolutely how absurd, 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 silly it is. Well, sometimes the tongue doesn't do right. How silly it is. But not just that. How detrimental to the revelation of God's heart it is when we think this way. Please get what I believe the burden of the Holy Spirit is this morning. This is all about God. It's God's ordained and perfect means of declaring himself to the church, within the church, and through the church to the world. How will they know that Jesus Christ is Lord? John 13, if you what? Love one another. And loving one another is, means being knitted together functionally, relationally, caring, praying for, ministering to, and ministering with. That's what God's purpose. That's why you were saved. And I hate to say it. Well, I don't hate to say it. Why should I say it? If you don't like this, ask God to take your name out of the book of life. If you feel this is not you, and you don't know, just say to God, you know, could you just blot out my name and leave me alone? Just leave me alone. I'm not interested. How did they come to this in Corinth? To this absurd place. This place that the visage of Christ was being distorted. This detrimental misuse of the gifts. They may have been uh, ignorant of the gift within. You may not know. I don't know if I have a gift. I don't know if you have a gift. Well, first of all, do you know that you do have a gift? Do all of you know now you do have a gift? It is impossible to have the Holy Spirit without a gift from him for the functioning in the body of Christ. Can you say amen? It's impossible. It's not happening. If you don't have a gift, you do not have the Holy Spirit. You have a gift. How many? I don't know how many, but the point is not how many, but you have a gift. So let's not be ignorant anymore. If I don't know, I have a gift, Lord. I I have a gift. I don't know what it is. Now, that's okay. If you have a gift, since you have a gift, rather, you don't know what it is, what should you do? I mean, what does James 4, 2 say? You don't have because you ain't asked. You have not because you ask not, correct? So if you, since you have a gift, you're ignorant of it, you don't know what it's, what, you know, what do you do? Ask. Father, this morning I realize you've given me a gift I want to be a functional thread in this church. Would you show me the gift so that I can be used according to your purpose? For those of you who don't know about your gift, would you do that? Would you do that? 
Ask. If you don't know, and I'm not being silly here, come ask me. Come ask Keith, Evan, Ronald, ask one of us. And the Holy Spirit will tell us. I'm telling you. He's going to tell you. Either on the spot or a little later, he'll tell you. So, if you don't know, ask us. We'll pray and we'll tell you. Keith, you all right with that? There's sweat dropping from his brow right now. What he's saying is, why well, don't I let that man get up here and speak this morning? I warned you, didn't I? Some desire the gift for self-promotion and self-exaltation. We are supposed to want the gifts of God, but not for self-aggrandizement. Want the gift, but for the purpose of further manifesting Christ in me. Amen? And even in that request, too much of myself is involved. And I find myself, when I'm praying, realizing I'm too much involved in here, but I still say, Father, answer the prayer and deal with my pride. But don't stop asking. Well, I shouldn't, I can't ask that because I know how prideful I am. And if I get the gift, I know. Don't do that. Ask anyway. See, the devil would like to overwhelm you with your deficiencies and weaknesses and pride and everything else that you're not going to ask and that you're not going to be functioning. Everything I do, everything I do is tainted with sin. Everything. Everything. Do I stop ministering, speaking? You don't know how much when I do the class up there at room 200, 845 in the morning called the School of the Word. When I speak there, if I speak here, when I do here, or in counseling in the office or whenever. I do so with a very, very great fear. Of too much of me getting in the way. See, you don't know that. I know that. But God is greater than my weakness. He's greater than my sin. Romans 5.20. Greater than my weakness. Remember 2 Corinthians 12.7-10. And he can be trusted. And manifest Christ even in a vessel of weakness such as this. Maybe you're feeling inferior. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but, but do think of these things. I don't have anything to contribute. Is that the Holy Spirit speaking to you, or is that the spirit of the enemy? Come on. You mean you had the Holy Spirit, and you ain't got nothing to contribute? I don't fit in. I'm from Chalmette. Well, you know, maybe so. <laughs> Could have said West Wego and then <laughs> I'm from River Ridge, man. I don't fit in anywhere. I'm from Uptown. I fit in everywhere. No. Lies of the enemy. If you have the Holy Spirit, you fit in. You're a puzzle piece. You have a place. And if you don't, you're not saved. 
I'm not needed as much as the elders. <laughs> Are you kidding? The elders are given to the church, gifting. We are a gift to the church for the overseeing and administration and leading and protection, education of the church. Yes. But let me say this. The elders need you desperately. We need you. We need your gifting. We need your input. We need your ministry. Why? Because we are one with you. We're not separate from you. How many bodies are in this church? One body of Christ. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your gift. Well, if I had that gift, I'd be all right. You know, there are some in this church that really have a, an amazing gift of hospitality. You know what I mean by hospitality? Their lives are open to others in this church. Now, I'm not going to mention one grumpy old man who has white hair, who has a hospitable uh, gifting, because he doesn't like me to mention his name. But I'll tell you another man and lady, husband and wife, who have a wonderful gift of hospitality. Wonderful. At least, as far as I can see it. Everybody's saying, I hope he says me. I hope he says me. Now, come on. Did any of you think that just now? Yes. Yes, here I am. You see how easy it is? No, it's not you. It's not that you don't have it. I'm not thinking of you. You have it, but mm, he's not. Mm. I'm talking to a couple here on the front row. But Bob and Kay Swanson. New members get here. I'm sorry, new, what do you call them? Visitors come here. You ever seen this man and his wife? Judy Gambino. Where are Judy? You in here? Is she in here? She's sleeping somewhere. <laughs> There's just several of you who have a gift. You're like magnets and someone comes in or someone is here that looks like you're, and all of a sudden you're latched on. Would you come to lunch? Let's do this together. Let's do, you know, it's hospitality. You begin to cause others to feel so much a part of this church. You know who's glorified in that? Not Bob and Kay or Judy or whoever or Bill or Nancy. Who, who's glorified in that? Christ is glorified in that to the glory of God the Father. I don't remember when it was. I could be wrong. My wife will correct me later. She has a wonderful gift of correction in these issues when it comes to time frame. (laughs) My gifting of receiving isn't that clear. (laughs) I don't know, a year or so ago, there's a couple in this church with a bunch of little kids. And they opened their house, I think it was Christmas or whatever, and had all these people in their house feeding them. Todd and Amanda Tucker. I'm looking at Chef Boy Ordi over here. Some of you don't know Mark and uh, Connie Udo. Gifting. Look, I mean, you just start going down the road. If I left you out, go to God and cry. <laughs> just don't tell me about it, you know. Just saying, thank God he didn't mention me because I probably didn't need to be mentioned because my pride gets in the way. You may have a fear of using your gift. 
failure. Verses 18 to 20. Paul closes like this. But as it is, God has arranged. Do you have a Bible that you can underline in? Do you see the subject of that sentence is not me and you and the church? What's the subject of that sentence? Remember in English the subject? God arranged. Why are we here? God. Why are we functioning the way we are? God. Why do we have what we have? God. Why are we to be ministering in a unity in this church? God. For whose glory is this? God. Do you see that we are not preeminent in this, that we are the objects, not the subject of the sentence? God is the subject. We are the objects. And the Holy Spirit is the verb. God arranged the members of the body. You are who you are, where you are, how you are, gifted the way you are. Each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We're going to be dismissed in just a moment. You may have thought I was going on forever. I would like to go on forever, but just need a break here or there. Lakeview Christian Center. In my understanding, my mind, my experience, Gina and I have been here since April of 78. is a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. Look what God is doing and has done. Look. And about, what do you think, four or five hundred are not even here today. Wouldn't you think that's somewhere around there? So we have about four or five hundred people are not here today. I'll ask them next week why weren't they here. Don't you worry about that. God is doing a wonderful work here. And this church, I can say this because I don't consider myself as really, I may be wrong here, and I'm okay to be corrected, but I'm not looking to be corrected, but I don't consider myself as integral to this. But God is creating in this church a wonderfully connected people. He's doing that. But more is needed. There's still loose threads everywhere. And ours is to be used by the Spirit. Ask Him. Be led by Him. Where are the loose threads? Am I a loose thread? Don't just go home today and say, man, I don't have time for this. If you don't have time for this, you are not about your heavenly father's business. So stop what is interfering with it. Amen? Stop it. 
Because on the day of glory, when you stand before the Lord, he is not going to be impressed with any work except the work of Holy Spirit in this church. That's it. So don't be building a false tapestry. Ask God about yourself and about your usefulness. Do you want to come up or not? As we close together, I just want to remind us of that old saying. It's better in here than it is out there. It's better in here than anything out there. Amen? Why? Because this is the dwelling place of God our Father. Eric?